0: Welcome to Explore Europe, a podcast series for American military stations in and around Germany. Each episode brings you travel tips and local secrets to help you get the most out of your time overseas. This episode is proudly sponsored by Used Car Guys, pre-owned military car sales all over Germany and new car sales for stateside delivery when you PCS. Good cars from good guys. And now introducing your hosts. Michelle Peirce and John Sweeney, who've been living in Germany and exploring Europe for over 15 years. So where should we explore today? Well, there's only one way to find out. It's on with the show.
1: Melanie, thank you so much for coming on to Explore Europe. I'm so excited to have you here as a guest. Well, thank you for
2: having me. I'm excited to talk to you today.
1: Perhaps we can start by you telling us what a fellow British expat is doing in a lovely city like Copenhagen in Denmark.
2: Well we've lived here about 10 years now. Um, we did have a bit of time between that in Germany mm-hmm. but we just love Copenhagen so much and my husband and I just got married when we moved here and he was working for Nokia and they were always saying to him oh do you want to try one of our other offices and I used to be a bit no my career that kind of thing and suddenly I woke up one morning and I thought, "What?" hell let's just do it so we said we'd do it for three years see how we got on and we moved here in march 2008 and i think it was it was a glorious spring going straight into summer and i think it was probably about may time and we were sitting in our apartment birds singing outside eating our dinner and I said to him, I love it here. I don't want to go back to England. He said, oh, no, neither do I. So we stuck it, you know, we we stayed here. We had our son the year after. And we just we just love it. It's a really relaxed city. That's what I like about it. We don't have a car. We use public transport. We cycle everywhere. And because it's a coastal town, mm-hmm. it feels like a village. It feels very seaside-y a lot of the time. And you're yeah. in constant awareness that you're you're surrounded by water and i think that makes people feel quite chilled out and relaxed and yeah we just love it really well you've
1: sold it to me for sure and i have to say that copenhagen is probably one of my favorite european cities outside of germany so i'm really excited that you're here but let me just come back to one point you said you moved there in the summer and i think move that's really brave that you just took a huge decision to move to another country and a lot of our listeners you know are military families, and they don 't really have a choice to do that, but one of the things I noticed after I moved to Germany, I moved here in the in the January, so my adjustment period was kind of through through winter, and I kind of allowed myself that year to adjust but being here in a winter or an autumn, I think um, when you 're away from home in a new country it can feel a bit different. How did you find your first winter autumn in Denmark because uh, most, some of our listeners may not know but the lighting can be a bit difficult and a bit challenging for for many people yeah.
2: I think when the winter came I was still it was a bit still the honeymoon period I guess okay uh, so I was learning Danish. I'm still very excited about it and I have to say that Denmark and Copenhagen do Christmas amazingly well um, you know, it's sparkle. You've heard about hygge and the coziness and everything here. That's when you're like, peak hygge, is Christmas time. Okay, let's, so, let me
1: just stop you there, Melanie. Let's go back and explain what hygge is to some of our listeners. I've heard of this, because I started to embrace this a couple of years ago when I was struggling a bit with some winters in Germany. So just tell us about hygge.
2: Okay, well, the Danes will say that it's a unique word, you can't describe it, but it basically means being cozy with people that you enjoy spending time with in a very kind of non-confrontational way. So you're not talking about politics, you're you're just sitting. So an example, I mean, you can hygge in the summer as well as the winter, but (laughs) a winter example is, you know, you'd be cozy at home, you've got your wood fire burning, you've got some friends around, you're either eating cake and drinking coffee or maybe a glass of wine and there's some sweets and you're you're just together. And it's that feeling of, of warmth. And of course, candles are a big part of that. I think the Danes are the biggest consumer of candles in the world. Um, <laughs> they light them at breakfast, lunch, dinner, you go to a business meeting, they're on the table, they're in cafes. They're even in, you know, like daycare, nursery, kindergarten places, the kids will be lighting the candles when it's it's lunchtime. And it's that feeling of, of light and warmth. Um, but in the summer, if you're going to be hoogly or, or, or Hooger, uh, you'd sit down on the harbour wall with your friends, a six pack of cold beers from the 7-Eleven and watch the sunset and just, it's just being together. And I kind of see it as quite an old fashioned way. It's kind of how I grew up, you know, like family around you Mm -hmm. and it's just cozy and nice. And and that's what being, you know, Hooger is all about. But the winter, like I say, up till Christmas, it's lovely. The days are getting shorter, but you've got the Christmas lights, the Christmas markets, ice rinks are set up. Everybody's, you know, people are still outside. Yeah, yeah. Come to January, um, it is not as nice because (laughs) sparkle's gone and you're sitting there you're thinking we've got another three months of this <laughs> yes and i feel like that in germany often yeah. sometimes some Februarys, you know you get maybe less than 24 hours of direct sunlight in the entire month um so how we cope wow. you know, we light our candles uh daylight lights um yeah. are really good to have to wake up to and to have in the house and uh you know going to the sauna. Um, The sauna I go to actually has a daylight room. So you lie on like a lounger and it's got all these special um, UV daylight lights around you and you get your kind of boost of of vitamin D and serotonin. So, But it it is quite tough in the winter, but up till Christmas, it's beautiful. But I would recommend if you're coming to visit Copenhagen in the winter, Avoid probably, you know, February to March. I mean, in the February holidays, everybody just disappears. They go to Morocco, they go <laughs> to
1: Tenerife, they seek the sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got a great system for surviving all of the seasons in Denmark. And uh, there's obviously a reason why um, Denmark has been voted one of the happiest places to live in the world consistently in polls over the last few years. So they very clearly have these systems for managing the winter blues and embracing the best of all of the seasons. So it really sounds like you've embraced all of that. Fantastic. So you're living there and you're a resident so today I'm going to pick your brains and share with our listeners so they can really experience Copenhagen like a local. Um, perhaps you can start by just giving us a quick overview of Copenhagen maybe?
2: Okay, it's a very small city. Um, We only have 1.3 million people that live in Copenhagen and that's in the whole like the urban area, not just in the city center. So it's going a bit further out. There's only like 800,000 people in the city itself in the centre of it. So it's really tiny. It's really walkable or using public transport. If you come here and you're staying in a hotel, a lot of hotels will offer you um, a bike that you can borrow during the time that you're there. Um, The only thing I would call to people, if you're not familiar with doing a lot of cycling, you know, gen up on the rules of how to cycle here. (laughs) Um, But we have separate cycleways alongside the main, like you've got the main road, then you have Mm -hmm. a sort of little bit of a curb, then you've got the dedicated cycle bit and then the pavement. So it's really safe to cycle so as a city very small very walkable we're right on the coast we have an inner harbor which some people refer to as a river it is not a river it is the inner harbor (laughs) Um, and that's a beautiful place to hang out in the summer there's swimming baths that are actually in the harbor water it's so cool you can swim in the harbor Um, and we've got lots of neighborhoods one thing I would say if you're if you've been traveling around Europe you know you go to Berlin you've got the Brandenburg Gate you go to France, uh, Paris, you've got the Eiffel Tower. We don't have a thing like that here. We have the little mermaid and she is quite little, but I would say go and see her anyway, but we don't have that big sight to see. So mm-hmm. it's a lovely city to just relax and walk around, go into the old part of the city and see the old buildings there. We've, it's a very flat city, but there are lots of places you've got high and see over. And There's actually one church, um, on, uh, in, in Christianhown, which is the opposite side of the harbour to the main part of the city, where you can walk up the spiral on the outside. Oh, excellent. So you get amazing views all the yes. way up and all the way down. That could be a bit terrifying. Yes, I have never been brave enough to do this myself. And every time I see like the little figures of people up there, I think, how can they possibly do this? But it's supposed <laughs> to be an amazing experience. Um, okay. And I'll let you, I, I've forgotten the name of the church. Um, I, I get it muddled with one of the other ones, but I'll, I'll let you know, you can put it in the notes. But that's definitely something I'd recommend, getting up high, looking over the city. Um, if you're not that brave, you can go up to the top of the parliament building in a lift. Okay, so you don't have to be that brave. Um, but I would definitely say the way to explore Copenhagen is on foot. Fantastic. Um, and get out into some of the neighbourhoods. Uh, we have the Vestabo, which is, used to be quite dodgy. Um, it's the, where the red light district is. Certainly cleaned up a lot in recent years and time I've been here. And it's quite hipsterish. Mm-hmm. But loads of nice cafes, individual shops. I know from listening to your, your podcast, you know, you talk about the nooks and crannies and places to go. <laughs> Yes, and we do. I would definitely say uh, Vesterbro, Fredericksburg, Nurebro, those areas are the places where you go down the streets, you find little antique shops, you find little cool cafes and bars, and then you really feel like you're, you're living like a local. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say coming here, you could probably dispense with the sights in the first day. Um, okay. We do have hop-on, hop-off buses. Yay! I, yeah, Love hop-on, hop-off on bus necessarily recommend them as the best way to see it we the better one is going on one of the harbour cruises or the canal boat cruises okay Um, and you see more of the sights from the water than you would from the bus
1: Okay, that sounds like a great tip. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Yeah, you
2: pick it up from New and There are two different ones. Um, They run every hour, I think, and they're fairly inexpensive. And if you're traveling here, you can get a Copenhagen card, uh, which gives you discounts and some freebies and also public transport around the city. So you can definitely get a discount on those. But they're about an hour and they'll take you up to the Little Mermaid. They take you around the old canals that look a little bit like Amsterdam and then up through the old town where you can see the Parliament building stock exchange some of the big churches so that's that's a nice thing to do and it's an hour and if it's hot it's cool on the water but that gives you your bearings and you can almost to a certain extent tick off some of the sites and say okay i've seen it i photographed it now let's wander let's walk Brilliant.
1: That sounds like a great tip, Melanie. And I love this kind of idea, like we say with our hop-on and hop-off buses. but And we, we've also referred to some boats as well when we've been in places like Strasbourg. But to be able to orientate yourself first and then in a more relaxed way, then kind of plan a more detailed itinerary from that is sounds great. And I love what you're saying about Copenhagen because it doesn't have you know, very specific sites. Okay, I'm going to put my hand up for the Little Mermaid because she is my favourite little site in Copenhagen and I I always wander out there. But it's a nice walk out to her. She's a little way out and you can take in some sites from there. But the fact that there's not a big list of things to tick off does mean that you can actually just absorb the atmosphere and the culture, doesn't it, without this overwhelming need to race through an itinerary in a couple of days. Which I guess is kind of um, mirrors the Danish laid-back culture anyway, doesn't it?
2: I would say so. I would say so. I mean, it's, it is a, a low city, it is a small city and people are relaxed. So yeah, I would definitely say get that sort of out, not out of the way, but get that done. And you can, you can say you've seen that, you've got an idea where things are. The other thing, which I found when I first moved here, you know, you look at a map and although it has a scale on it, you don't necessarily realise how long or short distances are. Yes. Um, but Copenhagen, you can easily walk it in a day. And of course, the other big thing that I would say people should go to is the Tivoli Gardens um yes right in the in the center and we've recently had a whole new um like food hall built mm-hmm. and you can access the the food hall from outside you don't have to pay to go into Tivoli but you can also get in from from in the in the park which is really nice because a lot of the restaurants inside Tivoli are quite expensive they're around 25% okay. more than you would expect to pay for a similar meal outside the park Wow, that's
1: quite a difference
2: Yeah, they've recently introduced a thing where you can't just pass in and out Before you used to be able to get your ticket And if you wanted to go out and maybe, I don't know Have a McDonald's or have something cheaper outside And then come back in the park They've now made it that you have to pay um, a small amount It's 25 krona to get like a pass out be able to come back in because I think they were losing people so people weren't using the restaurants as much but you've got a Wagamamas in there you've got things that perhaps people are familiar with um, but you've also got traditional um, restaurants but that's just a beautiful thing if you have kids I would definitely recommend that you get the ride band the, like a wristband, um, okay, rather than paying per ride because you start to really hemorrhage money if you're paying per ride
1: so is, just explain to me a little bit more about T- Tiv- Tivoli Gardens is what you've called it. Yeah, And I've, I've never been inside, but I've walked past it several times when I've been into to Copenhagen. And the reason I've never been inside it is because all three times I've been there, they've been closed to change their seasonal displays every time I go, which apparently are amazing. But just tell us a bit more about what there is to see and do in there, because it's quite a big draw
2: in Copenhagen. Yes, it, it is. And it's for everybody now. start with families. If you go in with kids, one part of it, the furthest end from the entrance, are rides. And they're, okay. not, they're not dead. There are a few. There is a, a really tall one that you sit in like a basket and get spun around really high up and you can see Sweden. That sounds horrific to me, but I'm sure there'll be people
1: listening to this that will love that
2: kind of thrill. They would love it, I'm sure. When the first time my mum ever visited this, she went, oh my goodness. And my dad thought something terrible, like when they were in the car, he thought something terrible was happening. And she said, look at that ride. I, I can't believe people go on that. So you have a few and it has the oldest wooden roller coaster in the world. Okay. Um, and second oldest theme park in the world as well and it was the inspiration for Walt Disney for um his first park
1: Wow! so
2: it's really old it's really traditional and so you have that ride section and then you have a garden section which Mm -hmm. you just alluded to beautiful flowers they actually have a farm outside the city where they grow the flowers and then they bring them in so they're already grown Um, and in the summer season they start with uh, in the spring around Easter with a bulb filled um, of tulips and hyacinths and just all that kind of beautiful stuff and then that gets replaced with early summer flowers and then by the the peak of the summer there's a rose garden with the most beautifully scented roses so you can wander around there's a really peaceful bit so if you're not into the ride don't go in that section yes. you just stay in the physical bit there's a lake in the middle of it wow. it's just it's a little bit like um i'm sure your listeners are familiar with a tardis from doctor who it's a little <laughs> bit like that if you look at it airily it doesn't look like a huge space but when you get in there it feels enormous wow so you can wander around and they do light shows later in the when it does get dark in the summer they do these light shows on the lake and fireworks as well in the evenings late on and it's just fabulous and it's open um from easter to around september Mm -hmm. and that's what they call the summer season and on a friday night they have something called friday rock so they have some quite sometimes big acts sometimes just danish acts Mm -hmm. every friday so the stage is in there as well it's just everything there and then they open again um, in the autumn sort of around halloween and it's just you know it's full of pumpkins and it's a bit spooky but it's really nice and cozy and then the winter um which is just the run-up to christmas and then to new year and then they close again and then they open for the summer so if you're traveling again if you're traveling after christmas it's going to be closed
1: so it sounds like is it somewhere you could spend an entire day with your family
2: Yeah, I think so. It opens around 11 in the morning and I think you probably could. I mean, the rides, like I say, you get the ride band, then the kids can go on any rides they fancy without you having to think, oh, how much is that going to cost? You can also, as an adult, you can get um, an accompanying band. So you Mm -hmm. pay the same amount, but the child wears that. So they get two bands, their band and an accompanying adult band, which means any of the adults in your group can go on with that child
1: okay great
2: so if you like if dad loves the daredevil rides and mum likes the gentle rides you, you mix the match rather than just one of your parents getting their band and then having to say no I'm not going to go on that ride that's
1: a great idea
2: um so it's I would say, yeah, with, with a family, you could easily spend a day there. Um, it's not the cheapest thing to do in Copenhagen, but I would definitely recommend at least going in and having a walk around, having a, a beer or a coffee and cake if you're, you're child, you know, child free and with the kids doing some of the rides.
1: Fantastic. And you mentioned the restaurants in there and, and perhaps coming out to eat outside. Can you take your own picnic in there or is that forbidden? Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, you can.
1: So that would be another way of kind of making it a slightly less expensive day out if you're a bit worried about spending you know, too much in restaurants and things like that.
2: They have an area there called the Plainan, like the lawn, mm-hmm. um, and it has old-fashioned deck chairs. You know, a oh, lot of lovely. It's not kitchen like a tacky way, but it's, it's the kind of place that, I mean, I met this elderly lady, 80-odd late old lady on the bus, and she was telling me about when she went to Tivoli when she was a little girl. And it didn't sound like it had changed an awful lot, which I thought <laughs> was really, really sweet. So it's nice. And if you've got a little bit of extra budget, there's the NIMH Hotel, which backs onto Tivoli. They have a terrace and you can enjoy champagne, cocktails and, and that kind of thing on their terrace, which is beautiful.
1: Well, that sounds like a great place for me to add onto the show notes. I'm sure that will be a popular choice. So what else do we have to do in Copenhagen, Melanie?
2: Well, if you were coming for the, just for two days, I would start with the canal cruise, Okay, do that in the morning, and then although it's a little bit of a tourist trap, I would then get off the the boat and go to Newhound, which is probably the most photographed, that's your kind of money shot of Copenhagen, the beautiful coloured houses along there, all the way along are restaurants, and you can get a traditional open sandwich. And what do we call that in Danish? A small bowl. (laughs) There's probably Danes listening, going, oh, no, terrible pronunciation. That's OK. We, we, we won't invite them to correct us. You should hear me murder
1: the German language on some of my other podcasts. Don't worry about it. So just say that again. Let me see if I can get it.
2: Small ball. It means, a but it's sort of spread bread is the literal translation. OK. Um, and they are very particular. There are rules about how you build up your open sandwich. So you will, wherever you go, you will see the same... Ones on offer. Okay. Um, if you're a vegetarian, they do an amazing uh, potato one uh-huh. that's got kind of sliced new potatoes, some creme fraiche type cream, onions, chives, that kind of thing. And uh, the most popular one is called a shooting star. Um, and that is a piece of bread, like rye bread, so the dark brown bread, um, breaded place, mayonnaise prawns and asparagus and a little bit of caviar on the top now that's my favorite one and that you know you have that for your lunch that sets you up for the day and then I would just walk I would just walk up from Newhound and walk through um along we have the longest walking street in Europe so walk along the walking street but come off of it explore the little side ones and then you will end up at Tivoli at the end of that so pop into Tivoli so that's kind of like your first day that's the what I would call like the touristy day and you were right you could walk around the harbour and you can see the little mermaid and that's a lovely walk it goes past the royal palaces you can see the opera house so that's nice to do it there but on the second day I would pick a I'd pick a neighbourhood okay um maybe like Vestabo or, or and Freck's which is next to it and just have a little walk around the streets and look at the little shops and stop for coffees beers lunch along there but kind of you get a feeling of the city and we have some lakes in the middle of the city as well which used to be the reservoir Drinking water and walking around those is lovely. Pick up a Danish pastry. <laughs> um, just, I would just sort of say wander. Get hold of a. I know everybody has their maps on their smartphones and they're brilliant, but I don't think they give you that kind of overview of the city. So you can pick up these free tourist maps from anywhere um, and just open them up and just have a look and, and pick an area and just wander. and and walk around and get a feel of the city. It's a super safe city. um, So you don't really have to worry about, I I mean, you could, you were not going to stumble on a dodgy area.
1: Okay, great. That's good to know as a tourist.
2: Yeah, just have a wander around and then maybe take um, the Metro down to one of the beaches or just head out to one of the beach areas and have a swim in the sea. You know, if you can, if it's hot and do that, that's a a fantastic experience to tell people you swam in the sea in, in Scandinavia that sounds amazing <laughs> but just just wonder that's always my advice to people just wander and look and see and and you know look in the interior design is famous here you know there's lots of little tiny shops that you can go in and you can get wonderfully tasteful beautiful things gifts for people so that that would be my recommendation. I have to say that brings me on to a great point. You, uh, my
1: overall impression of everything Danish is that it's tasteful. Yeah. Everything is so very stylish. And this this Scandinavian style is so very popular all over the world at the moment. But it really does emulate from the heart of, of Scandinavia, from Denmark, doesn't it? It's just everything's just beautiful, natural materials, um, minimalist style, just really I really, really embrace it and I love that. So being around that is something very nice. And something that I found in the coffee shops over there, and I think you've, you've, I've heard you talk about this before in other podcasts, that kind of the cafe culture in Copenhagen is really strong and something that if you're visiting, you should really embrace, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot of what I would term hipster cafes which are a nice experience to have. But there's also, particularly in the city centre, there's a handful of what are considered like the original coffee shops from the 1970s. There's one called Dan Terrell, um, which is really old-fashioned and very French-inspired. When they first opened coffee houses here, they were emulating the French. They wanted that, that Parisian feel of the coffee houses. So you can still find a lot that are like that. But then you'll also find, you know, these little ones that do sort of brunch plates and really interesting different foods and they're quite hipsterish. I have a friend who comes regularly with her teenage daughter and we always go to this one called uh, Mela Melakaffa, which means food and coffee. And you pick from the menu, you have either three, five or seven brunch items and you choose what they are. And then it comes on like a wooden board and they're in little bowls on there. And it's just a, you know, it's a nice experience for people who, you know, if you've got a fussy eater with you or you've got mm-hmm. a caring or you've got somebody who, if you look at the, Ready plated things, they're only going to maybe like 50% of it, but with this, sure. I mean. If- if you just like sausages, you could literally just have five bowls of sausages. and, and, and Oh, I know, I know a few people that would definitely order that. <laughs> so, you know, that's that. the cafe culture is really, really nice and it's very relaxed as well. So I would, I would say that that's something, you know, just dip into any kind of cafe that looks interesting and have a coffee and, you know, like I say, have a Danish pastry, which you can get from the bakeries. A lot of the bakeries also have like t- tables and chairs that you can sit down on. So, you know, you don't have to be eating on the go.
1: Fantastic. And what about more substantial food options? Have you got any favourites or recommendations around the city for, for dinner or lunch meals?
2: Yeah, well, over recent years, I mean, when I first moved here, it was rather a desert for, you know, cuisine. <laughs> Um, But over, you know, with Noma opening, becoming the number one restaurant in the world, a lot of um, the Noma sort of, you know, the chefs that have worked there have now branched out and opened their own restaurants. Mm. And they're obviously a little bit more affordable than Noma. Now, that is an experience. If you want to do it when you come here, you are going to need to book well in advance okay. and possibly be disappointed because it's super popular. But there are two restaurants and they're out in Nuremberg, which is one of the sort of neighbourhoods outside the city centre. There are two restaurants in the street there. Uh, the street's called Girl. Um And one of them is called relais And the other one is called Manfred's. Okay. And they both serve family style food. So everybody orders the same menu and it comes and you all, you know, and they're Cheers. both... Yeah, they're both run by former NOMA chefs. Wow. So that's somewhere to go. And Manfred's, if you're a vegetarian, I think is predominantly vegetarian on, on the menu there. Um, they, I think when I went, one course was lamb okay. and one course was fish but I think if you go in and say you're you're totally vegetarian then you don't get those courses Um, and they also do wine matching uh, menus with them and the really interesting thing about relay is if you're if you're alcohol free you don't drink alcohol they do a juice menu that they match with the courses.
1: Now that's interesting isn't it
2: what an interesting concept. My husband went there he doesn't drink a lot and uh, he didn't know about it and his colleague had pre-ordered it for herself when they'd ordered it. And he said, what a great idea. And they're, you know, they're sort of, they're appropriately sharp or whatever to do with the course that you're having. So they're two restaurants I would really, I loved Manfred's when I went there. Um, I found it, and they also do organic wines, which are quite an experience. So that's something to try. Um, There's also a place called Gros which Mm -hmm. is um, another kind of family style type restaurant, but it's on the top of an old car auction house. And it's in a farm, it's a rooftop farm. Uh, They were inspired by Brooklyn Grange in in New York. Okay. Um, And they bought this or rented this space. And the reason why they can do it is because it's reinforced where it used to be the car auction house. The floor is reinforced because it was supposed to support cars. So they can actually put all of the the farm, if you like, up there, all the soil, and they grow their own fruit and vegetables up there. They have another spot close to where I live on Amma, where they also grow. But all that food is served in the restaurant there. Wow, that's really farm to fork. Yeah, exactly. It's a long table and everybody sits at the long table and big bowls of food and plates of food are brought to the table. A lot of people go maybe not on their own, not knowing anybody. And you get to know everybody that's sitting at the table. You're kind of almost forced to make friends with people. Um, But that's another one that you have to book well in advance.
1: Okay. And are all these places quite expensive? I mean, what I mean, I'm mean, i kind of well aware that I find Denmark quite pricey in comparison to Germany. So I guess we that's something we need to manage our expectations on a little bit.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I lived in Berlin and the price of eating out in Berlin versus the price of eating out here, you know, it, it, it would be considered astronomical in some instances here. Right. But it is going to be a little, if you're coming from Germany, you are going to find it a bit more pricey. Um, what I would recommend, which friends who've come from Germany, what they've done is they've picked one restaurant that they want to have like a blowout meal in, uh, you know, spend a good amount of money and have a really nice experience. And then the rest of the time they've gone for more casual dining at the moment. And during the summer months up to the autumn, we have a lot of street food places, um, well, we like food trucks and different things in harbour. That is a really good way to have quite an inexpensive but nice meal. And again, you know, I'm conscious perhaps, you know, when I have guests coming, they bring teenagers who are perhaps a bit fussy and don't mm-hmm. want this, don't want that. If you go to one of these food truck places, everybody can have whatever they want. Yeah, that's a great idea. So oh. that would be something to do and you can watch the sunset from there as well. So that would be an inexpensive way. Uh, we went to Rifen uh, on Friday, which is the kind of the, the street food market here. And I had a Gambian curry, Okay. And my son had an Indian tandoor grill. So two completely different things. And his was, um, obviously you'd have to do the conversion, but his was 100 krona. Um, okay. And mine was 70 krona. Now that's really quite inexpensive for food. And then you add sodas on top of that or beer sure. or what have you. But that's a really, really nice way to have a nice experience in the evening but not spend a huge amount of money. Um, yeah, that's
1: a great tip, actually. And I'm sure that there are also some local food trucks as well. So if you wanted to try some Danish food too, oh, you can, yeah, yeah, you can yeah,
2: do that. Yeah, they love barbecue here as well. There's a lot of barbecue trucks and, and such like. So that's a good way to have a, an, inexperi- uh, an inexpensive evening out. We also have a lot of pizza places. Uh, mm-hmm. Gorms is a really popular pizza place here. And there's one called Neighbourhood as well. Okay. Um, They both uh, do nice things. And I, I am also aware, again, with guests that come, you know, people aren't meat eaters and they have an idea it's all pork here you know it's all going to be yes pork, 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 pork. Meat,
1: meatballs from ikea that's what we all have in our minds. <laughs> yeah, come over from sweden yeah it's not
2: all meat, and there's a there are two restaurants one's in one of the neighborhood areas but one's right close to the city center called souls and it's com- it's completely plant-based food in there but really innovative food really nice food um so that'd be somewhere i'd recommend for vegetarians and going back to sort of if you're wandering around town and you want some lunch we have um an open well it's it's partly open air and partly closed food market called Torhalen. Um mm. and it's become quite there's quite a lot of the stands there sell cooked food for you to eat there um, okay. so you've got a French one that does um this amazing kind of duck baguette you've got fish and chips, but you've also got open sandwiches in there, pizza, and there's lots of tables outside but because it's right in the center of the city, you can grab yourself technically a picnic from there and then go to any one of the parks botanical gardens are right close to there so you can just you know get that packed up and just walk and sit in a beautiful park and have again a really delicious lunch but not pushing the boat out too much on the cost
1: well melanie if you've listened to any of my other podcasts you'll know that the food topic is one of my favorites so i'm salivating after that little intro thank you very much for that um so we've we've covered where to eat we've covered what to do um let's just talk a little bit about where to stay and how to get there because you're a resident um, so you don't really need to book hotels i guess but do you have any tips from friends that have, have come to stay with you
2: Yeah, definitely. I would say Airbnb is probably if you're coming in a group, it's probably your best value to look at Airbnb. I had some friends come for my 40th and Mm -hmm. I don't have enough space in my house for them all to stay. So we rented a really lovely penthouse Airbnb in a very old apartment block right in the city centre looking over the King's Garden. So I would say that is the first place to look if you're coming in a group. A lot of people might look at staying at hotels around the back of the main station. Um, It's a good place to stay. There's a a decent selection of hotels there. But it's important to remember that it did used to be, and it still is, um, the red light district. So it may not be family friendly. And also, if you're going there to party, it's a great place to go because there's (laughs) there's the meatpacking district, which is full of bars and clubs and restaurants. But if you want to go to sleep... Um, you will hear a bit of boom, boom, boom from the club, (laughs) even if you're slightly further away because the old buildings and one thing or another. So I would recommend that area, the Meatpacking District and Vestabo, great to go out in the evening. But if you're coming with families or you're coming with people that like their sleep, maybe stay slightly further away from that area.
1: Okay, that's a great tip. Thanks, Melanie.
2: If you're coming as a couple and you don't want to stay near more Hotel Angleterre, which are the two like premier hotels, budget hotels. There's two chains that I would recommend. One's called the Cab Inn. Um, mm-hmm. I think they have three or four hotels in the city. And the basis of those is they're supposed to look like a cabin in a cruise ship. <laughs> okay. So. You can either have bunk beds or you can have like a, a smallish double bed and they're really small rooms, but they're super clean. Um, they have really fast wifi and you're looking at probably under around 600 to seven 600 kroner a night. And that's okay. for a couple in there. So that's quite cheap. And also the wake up hotel, there are two of those. Um, my friend who comes with her teenage daughter, they always stay in the wake up. Um, Again, it's kind of, it looks a little bit like IKEA.
0: Um,
2: So it's nice like that. But again, you have quite good budget rooms, but the higher up you go in the hotel, particularly the one that's in the harbour, the more you pay because you get okay. a bit um, of oh, but, but that's definitely one. And then if you're interested in hostel type stay, which I know a lot of people are, there's one called the generator and also the Dan Hostel. Um, with with the generator you tend to, you know, you can go into sort of six, four person room, don't know who you're gonna be staying with, so it depends what kind of travellers you are. But I think with both of those, you can go for sort of smaller rooms uh, for yourself. And if you're into camping, there's, there's a lot of camping places. I don't imagine many people listening to this are going to come by car. But if you are into camping and you want to work your way up through Germany, yep. through Jutland and then to Copenhagen, there are still plenty of opportunities for camping in and around the city.
1: Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, I think this time of year, a lot of people actually... Uh, like to hit the road or maybe grab an rv which is quite popular in germany as well and a lot of our american listeners will be quite used to that that type of touring and i think that's a great way to to explore europe while you're here that's brilliant so um let's assume that we're not driving though uh the you have there is an airport in the city of copenhagen isn't there
2: there is it's copenhagen airport um Although you might see when you go to book it, this is Kastrup. It's just known as Copenhagen Airport. Um, it, don't get too confused because the stop before it on the metro is actually called Kastrup. So I wouldn't want people to get off there and go, "Oh, where's the airport?" Um, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's right. It's right on the island of Amma, but it takes the metro stops literally in the airport. So once you've got your bag, you walk through the airport, go up an escalator, and you're in the metro station. Um, oh, fantastic! And it's three zones into the city and it takes around 20 minutes.
1: Brilliant. And you've got, actually, I was checking out your website today, which you can tell us some more about in a minute. You've got a fantastic YouTube video that explains how to buy a metro ticket, which I'm going to share in the show notes. And that's going to be an absolute lifesaver if when you're faced with one of these ticket machines, you are filled with fear. Melanie shows you exactly how to turn it into English which zones you need to buy and which type of tickets. And that's a brilliant way to to understand how to buy your tickets before you even arrive in the country.
2: One of the important things to remember is that the ticket you buy covers you for all public transport within those zones. So when you buy that ticket on the Metro when you arrive, it covers you for Metro buses, Harbour buses, we have buses like little boats that go around the harbour that are covered by it and also suburban trains within the zone that you buy. So it's all integrated. It makes it great if you, you know, you get in and you're on the metro, but then you want to get on the bus or you see the harbour boat. and say, Oh, let's get that this little yellow boat. So it's all covered with that. And yeah, I did do that video because I know a lot of people struggle with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's quite, uh, quite challenging when you first arrive in a new country. So Melanie, a lot of our um, listeners are going to be coming from south of Germany, some, some perhaps in the UK, what, what airlines fly into Copenhagen? Do you have any tips for that?
2: Yeah, if you're coming from the UK, EasyJet is probably the best one. They fly in from Luton and Gatwick, no longer Stansted. It used to be Stansted, but they, they closed their routes there. So it's Luton and Gatwick. Okay.
1: Um,
2: but if you're coming from southern Germany, so Stuttgart, Frankfurt area, um, yeah. you're going to be looking at SAS or Lufthansa Okay. for those. Now, I would recommend personally, I mean, it's about an hour and a half flight from both those cities. Um, Copenhagen but I would recommend SAS or SAS as we tend to call it because they do two kind of budget ticket programs okay now they have a limited number of seats in those those uh those prices but they do one that's called Go light which you just take eight kilos of hand luggage what do you need more for if you're walking around a city for two days exactly and that's super cheap and then they do the next level up which is called Go which you get the eight kilo hand luggage and you also get a 23 kilo check-in bag
1: okay great so if you're in a family if you're with a, f- a big family everyone could take a small carry-on bag each and then pack the rest of it in one suitcase between you or something
2: Yep, that's what we do when we fly to Germany from here yep. that's what we tend to do um and they're actually considerably cheaper than the regular prices on on those SAS flights um so I would definitely, and, and I use SAS when I go to London and I do the the SASCO light with just the one bag. But when I travel with my family, I have a son, we would tend to do, like you say, the SASCO one and just take the 23 kilo um, case that way. And it's really, it's, a, it's an inexpensive way of doing it. And it's a good, it's a nice airline to fly with. Yeah, I've flown with them as well. They feel like
1: a proper airline, don't they? Not a budget airline.
2: Yeah. They do indeed. But yeah, if you're coming from the UK, EasyJet is probably your best bet.
1: Um, what about uh, currency, Melanie? We've talked about, was it the Kroner that we that you yep. mentioned before? Yeah, so uh, would I need to buy krona before I arrive there? Is cash king in Denmark like it is in Germany?
2: No, no. Yay! It's not. It's <laughs> not. I remember the first time going to Berlin and going in a bakery and it came to around 12 euros and she said, no card. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Where's the cash machine? But no, here we're virtually a cash-free society. Um, Danes themselves, we have something called a Dancourt, but it's like a Visa card. Mm-hmm. You can use it just to buy chewing gum. You know, there is no, wow. there is no minimum purchase. And a lot of people use um, like sort of apps on their phone to pay for things. We have one called Mobile Pay. So it's very, if you come and you've got a Visa card, you're okay. If you're going to try and use a credit card, like a MasterCard, there's often a charge on that. Okay. Um, because they prefer you use, um, obviously you won't have a Dankor, but they prefer people use a Dankor or they use a Visa card. Um, but yes, you can't use euros here. I've seen tourists say, but you're this is Europe, why can't I use euros? <laughs> you can't use euros here. I know in some European cities that have their own currencies, they still will take euros, um, but not here. Okay. So what I would recommend is that, yep, yeah, you do use your Visa card, but get a little bit of cash Okay. Just case you somewhere and for some reason, you know, they see it's a foreign card and they say, no, no, no we don't want to take your foreign card. So have a little bit of cash um, in hand when you arrive. But yeah, the Krona, we, ha- we don't have the euro here. Um, but yeah, get a little bit in your pocket, but try and use your card where you can. Brilliant! That's
1: music to my ears. And what about the language? I think I might know two words of Danish, and they are all related to food. Can I get away with uh, my Queen's English or American English
2: whilst in Copenhagen? Absolutely. Virtually everybody under the age of forty-five speaks perfect English. And if you oh, say- how, emb- how embarrassing <laughs> yeah. if you say to them, "Oh, do you speak English?" They'll look at you very disparaging and go. Of course. (laughs) So, yep, just don't even bother with the bit of, can you speak English? Just start speaking English. Um, Everybody speaks, and they do. They put us to shame, you know, their their accents. Uh, Often I make a joke, someone, a tourist stops me and, I give them directions, they go, oh, your English is so good. And sometimes I go, yeah, all well, don't speak like this. And then sometimes <laughs> it's because I'm British. But yeah, you don't have to worry about the language at all. In restaurants, if you ask, um, they'll give you an English menu. But if you come in and you say, can I have a table for two, they'll probably automatically just give you an English menu. Um, if you have any problems with it, they'll help you out. It's a big thing here as well, they introduce your food to you. So once you've ordered, if it's kind of maybe a complex meal, there's lots of things on it, they'll talk you through what's on the plate as well, um, which is quite an interesting way of approaching things. Uh, But yeah, language, absolutely no problem at all if you're an English speaker.
1: Amazing. Well, it sounds like Copenhagen is a really gentle introduction to uh, a new country outside of Germany if you've just arrived from the US. So, uh, Melanie, you have given us so much value. I have so many exciting ideas and things to do in Copenhagen. And I know that you write about living in Copenhagen quite a lot. So if we wanted to find out a bit more about you and a little bit more about Copenhagen, where should I send our listeners?
2: Right I write a blog called dailydays.com it's kind of a Danish word so probably you need to write it down for people but I've been writing that since 2013 and I share I share a lot of things that I enjoy here I also I've become a little bit more maybe not political on there but I talk about some of the issues in Denmark and various things I also write the Huffington Post about Denmark here. Um, But I've also got a YouTube channel, which you you did mention earlier about the uh, ticket one, uh, but I'm definitely starting to populate that. So if people want to get a feel of uh, Copenhagen, definitely head over to the YouTube channel if you're more into watching than reading, but you can find me there. And if you did happen to decide to come and live here, I also run a personal relocation service. I can definitely help people out with that. Um, And also travel tips as well. I offer those by my website too.
1: Brilliant. Well, I will put all of those links in the show notes. And probably sounds like a great place for us to, to end, Melanie. Thank you so much. I think there are so many tips there, so much information to take in. But it sounds like Copenhagen is a place that you just don't need to overly plan before you arrive. You can just go, turn up and really embrace the culture and just soak up the atmosphere.
2: Absolutely. I would say that. I know people that come here and they've got a list of things. Maybe they've watched Borgen or they've watched things on telly and they're, oh, I want to see this, I want to see that. And they just get kind of, you know, they just wander and they find themselves going to some kind of relaxed state. And then you say to them, oh, did you get to Krestenborg and, and see the parliament? Oh, no, we, we found a street cafe and we just kind of sat there and what people watched and we went to Ilum's Bollyhus which is like the mecca of interior things and we just walked around and we just looked at beautiful things and you know they kind of almost forgot their itinerary because they just got swept up into being relaxed and chilled out
1: wow well it sounds like a great recipe for slow living and a super way to spend a relaxing weekend in a country outside of Germany Melanie thank you so much it's been a pleasure having you on the show thank you for having me The city of Copenhagen is the capital of Denmark and very much the beating heart of the country. It's a very advanced city in terms of infrastructure, architecture, sustainability, tourism and culture which makes it such a joy to visit and get around. Copenhagen is one of my favourite cities in Europe and as I grew up reading Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales when I went there I had to make a pilgrimage to The Little Mermaid, of course. Hearing these insider tips from Melanie makes me want to go back again. So if you do visit, please do write in and tell us all about your trip. I've asked my good friend and sustainable living champion, Jen Gale, to share a sustainable travel tip. A small change we can all make to reduce our impact on the planet as we explore more of it. Take it away, Jen. Thanks, Michelle. Hello, today's sustainable travel tip is all about wet wipes. I know, I know they can make life so much easier and are handy for all manner of things from actual baby's bums to cleaning up spills to giving yourself a quick freshen up when you're on the go, but still, no. Despite any claims to be flushable or biodegradable, the vast majority really aren't and will end up clogging up sewers and contaminating the local environment reusable wipes or good old face cloths are a great alternative check out cheekywipes.com for a really easy to use system when you're out and about if you'd like to get more sustainable tips from jen visit her website at www.asustainablelife.co.uk it's packed full of resources and ideas for really simple steps we can all take to collectively make a big change I believe the best travellers leave nothing behind but a good impression and take nothing away but great memories.
0: Thank you for listening to Explore Europe. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you to the good guys at Used Car Guys for sponsoring today's episode. You can find them online at usedcarguys.net or on location at Kaiserslautern, Ramstein, Spangdahlem, and Wiesbaden. We'd love to hear from you, so tell us in the comment section where you'd like us to visit next. And let us know where you'll be exploring using the hashtag ExploreEurope on Twitter. See you next time, Explorers!